This episode of the FS Podcast is brought to you by CBS All Access. Looking for a new streaming service to add so you can watch more stuff? Check out CBS All Access. Hit up infamouspodcast.com slash CBS and you can get a free one-week trial to CBS All Access and check out things like Star Trek Discovery, Picard, Survivor, um, you know, all the other cool stuff that CBS has to offer. Star Trek Discovery, I said that already. You should really watch that. Um, yeah, so hit up infamouspodcast.com slash CBS to learn more. Hey, welcome back to the Infest Podcast. This is Brian. With me is Daryl. Thanks to Julian Brown, our patron on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. You can sign up and get stickers, or you can pick our topic for a show, or you can get a t-shirt. Um, those are the tiers we have right now. If you check it out and there's other things that you think you might want, let me know. Uh, and you always get a shout out. You always get access to early episodes. Um, yeah, and thanks to our sponsor this week, CBS All Access. Um, yeah. Hey, Daryl, what's happening? Nothing much. I feel kind of a, a loss of agency. I didn't get to introduce myself. That's like the last couple of weeks. What's up with that? Uh, I'm just so, trying something so, new because when I toss it to you, you're like, I'm like, and with me as always Darryl. is Daryl. <laughs> you know, I do that pregnant pause, you know, to you know drum up interest and, you know, it's just like drama. Yeah. Something like that. This is a drama free <laughs> podcast, Daryl. We got rid okay. of the dramatic elements. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Hey, so this week, you know what we're doing? What are we doing? We're saving Star Wars. <laughs> Can it be saved? Do, okay. We think so. So I I have, I, I read Alphabet Squadron. I have 21 minutes left in the audiobook for Shadowfall, which is the, the sequel to Alphabet Squadron. And then in between those two, I read Dooku Jedi Lost. And... Yeah, Who those are all books. Uh, oh, I don't remember. That's, no, you don't have them off the top of your head. No, I mean Alexander Freed wrote the the Alphabet Squadron books. Um, let me let me put up my handy dandy Audible account. We need to get like an Audible, uh, an Audible. Um, what's it called? Advertisement. Um, the a- oh, yeah, advertising deal. Um, and oh, sorry, go ahead. I was like, I say I love Audible. I get. A lot of well, most I only get nonfiction from there, but yeah, that's what I do a lot of times when I'm taking walks or sometimes when I'm working out, I'll just listen to an audiobook. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, there's um, there's a Dr. Afra, um, it's uh, by Kevin Kavan, C A V A N Scott, um, and it's narrated by like a cast, which is pretty cool. Um, which includes uh, Mark Thompson and Jonathan Davis, who do a lot of the, a lot of the Star Wars books. But no, there's a Doctor Afra um, audio play coming out, and I don't know if you're familiar with that character. No, I'm not. She's from the comics. Um, essentially, Darth Vader hired her to do a heist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> heist. Uh, yeah, right. And then uh, she she did what she had to do, and then when she tried to kill him, she faked her own death. Uh, when she or when he tried to kill her, she faked her own death. And she has her own okay. comic book series, and it is fantastic. Um, but so yeah, quick question: Yes, sir. When you say it's done by a cast, who does? Is there a, a narrator who 
how, how does that work when yeah you're so there's like a narrator you're... and then like there's people who do like the voices like in in the afro one mark thompson is the voice of darth vader um which is pretty awesome he's he's really good at it um so yeah i don't know i mean so with alphabet school so mark thompson does a lot of these books right um he did the aftermath books he does the thrawn books his thrawn voice like actually whoever they pick to play the live action thrawn if it's anyone other than um lars Lars mickelson Mickelson, they should just have mark thompson do the voiceover Um, (laughs) so vader style but yeah, so it's it just kind of like, have you like, so Dune, Dune, and this is totally off topic, but Dune has a, a cast for its 24 hour long audiobook, Um, and it, uh, it's, it's great. It's awesome to listen to. Yeah. I've never listened to one of those type of so, books. Yeah. The closest was, um, when I was listening to the wheel of time with, uh, Kate Redding did the female point of views and, um, Rod, uh, was it Robert Kramer or Richard Kramer? He did the uh, male. He's, he, he narrates the Game of Thrones, too. But oh, cool. He did the the male point of view characters, nice. which was pretty cool to have that differentiation. That is pretty cool. Um, like there's a uh, an audio drama for um, Lock and Key, the comic. And, oh, okay. and Kate Mulgrew is one of the voices. It's really good. So. Janeway. Oh, Janeway. Or Red from, uh, what's it called? Um, Orange is the New Black, if you want to be a little more contemporary. Uh, I I watched like one episode of that, I think. Uh, the first two seasons were actually pretty decent. Um, but yeah, then it kind of fell off the rails. But anywho, all right. So before we get to, um, you know, hopping in the Millennium Falcon and, and swooping in to save the day, or uh, hopping in maybe like a B-Wing or an A-Wing and swooping in to save the day. We got some news, news to talk about. Um, our first story, I figured you would be super excited about this when I found it. Yes. Um, and I have only played the uh, the mobile like uh, shelter, shelter version of this. So I've never actually played a Fallout uh, game other than that. But there is a Fallout TV series in the works. Uh, from Jonah Nickel, uh, Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy, and it's going to be on Amazon, and it got a full series order already. This is pretty awesome. So I know I know you sent it just a little bit before we started recording. I didn't hear any. I hadn't heard anything about this, and I'm currently in the midst of. Yes, I know I'm five years late, but I'm playing Fallout Four right now. Nice, and it's. It, I played Fallout 3 back in the day, you know, when it came out in 2009, I think. And yeah. once again, it's one of those games that you just get lost in. It's it's open world as it's as open world as you can be, but just the basic story of it is, you know, 2077, you have this nuclear war and the only people that survive basically are these people that what they call they were put in vaults for different reasons mm-hmm. and you know, there's different reasons. You know, you think the vaults are to save people, but there's experimentation and just a whole heap of stuff going on. And the cool thing about Fallout is before that, even though it was in the future, the technology, a lot of the cars and stuff like that and the manners and everything, it's based on 1940s and 1950s. Cool. But they were but using nuclear power. So you have car, nuclear-powered cars. You have... Uh, <laughs> 
you have, uh, you know, babysitters or whatever you would have, you know, house help, but there are these robots that, that you can program in different ways. So mm-hmm. it's a massive world um, that, to, and again, Joy and Nolan are perfect to bring this to life. Yeah, I, I mean, it, just, it, it's pretty in line with uh, kind of what they're doing with Westworld, right? Yes, um, absolutely. So they, it's definitely like in their in their wheelhouse of storytelling to do this kind of show which is exciting and the one thing about the good thing about this fallout is there's not what you would call it because again this is as open world as much as a role-playing game just like something like skyrim there isn't a main protagonist like Geralt of rivia and or aloy from horizon zero dawn or anything like you pick you know the person you want to play mm-hmm. you make them up as you as you will their height their you know their weight you know their oh their you give them all their attribute. attributes and everything yeah yeah all of that so it's you know it's i mean there are in in certain you know there are storylines don't get me wrong as much of an open world there is a main storyline mm-hmm. uh the problem with this game for me is that i get off the main storyline because there's just so much interesting stuff to find yeah. But the positive, when you don't have a main character, I, and like you would, like I said, like the Aloy or like the Resident Evil games, people won't be as necessarily as offended or upset that you didn't make this character this way or that way. It's, oh, cool! They could, they could put anyone in there. They, you know, I mean, they can double it up and put two main characters. Who knows what they're gonna do? So, um, like one of my companions in Fallout Four is a reporter who, yeah who was voiced by, I forgot her name, but she played Nora Allen on, you know, in Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, cool. So. It, yeah, I don't, it, I don't I, remember I, the actress I, who played Barry's mom, but yeah, I know yeah. who you're talking about. Uh, very cool. Yeah, so, I mean, there's not a ton. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I said Nora Allen. I meant Nora Dark. Oh. From Legends of oh, so that <laughs> is uh, Brandon Routh's wife, uh, who was on Dexter, and I can't remember her name either. But yeah. uh yeah, so I mean I don't know, this is pretty exciting. So it's their um their kilter film, um kilter films, their production house, uh alongside with Bethesda Game Studios and Bethesda Softworks. Um and I guess is- they Amazon and Bethesda posted this morning, um, on July second an Easter egg video teasing the project. Um, which I have not gotten a chance to see. Yeah, and it's so in it's in there's out. a link to the the deadline article in the show notes. Um or you can go to the Amazon Studios Twitter account to check out that cool little teaser. And again, Am- and Amazon, you know, Amazon has been knocking it out of the park with the original series, so this is I mean, this is just only another positive positive oh, yeah. step for absolutely this, for this property. Uh, and they're working directly with Bethesda Studios yeah. as well. So, I mean, this this has the makings of a very, very good show. Yeah. Um, it's uh, keeping it 100, as the kids might say. Uh, <laughs> anyway, all right. I'm going to skip to the third story so we can talk about the second story last. Um, okay. So there has been rumors that Michael Keaton is going to rejoin the DCEU. Um, and the DCEU is going to come up later in our main topic. Uh, I have thoughts. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, so the rumor is 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 uh, Michael Keaton, the the Earth eighty nine Batman in the DCEU, is going to show up and be like a mentor for heroes, or maybe the Flash, or maybe Batman Beyond. Who knows? Um, and they're they're in negotiations to get uh, Michael Keaton. And this article came out 
on the 29th saying uh, if they can't get Keaton, they want Christian Bale because I guess Affleck is just done with it, um, which I don't know. I If, if they don't get Keaton, I'd, like, I'd rather they just not do it um, or if they, they just get someone else to do it because I, I don't I don't really I'm not I'm not excited for Christian Bale to return to the role. <laughs> um but yeah, so so this is interesting. Uh and then the other the other bit of rumor is is it might be like a Batman Beyond but Batgirl in that time frame and not Terry McGinnis. So what are your thoughts on that? Because I know you're a huge fan of Terry McGinnis. Well, one I <sighs> I think if they're going to do a Terry McGinnis movie, it should not be tied to any of the, the DCU stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the DCEU. Right. I, I think it needs to be its standalone thing, kind of like the Joker, kind of like uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman. Um, it needs to kind of just be standalone because it doesn't matter who Batman was because you're going to get an older guy to play the role. Um, I would say, like, you know, obviously Clint Eastwood is kind of who the old version of Bruce was based off of in in the comic. And you could get Clint Eastwood and, like, this would be a total coup. But to get Chris Evans to play, like, a younger version of him in in flashbacks, because Mm -hmm. at the end of Endgame, they should have just put Clint Eastwood there instead of putting Chris Evans in old man makeup because he looked exactly like Clint Eastwood. Um but that that would be my preference, and then you can get a largely unknown, um, and, and I would say like a, a Hispanic leaning um, actor to play Terry, um, because I, I don't think he has to be white. Like you know, he his dad obviously probably needs to be white, and his mom could be Hispanic, and Terry and Maddie could be you know a, a nice mix of the two, and and it would it would be some great representation. Um, but it would also be true to some of the struggles that the character has with um, the way he relates to family. And and I like I like how you said great representation because it would be organic. It, it right. wouldn't be necessarily doing a gender or a race swap, which again I have issues with in a lot of ways because there are plenty of rep- there's plenty of representation in comics, and then some of these studios just fail to use their use the history of comics and pull these characters out of the comics and onto the big screen. Yeah. And we can talk, we we can talk about that more with the next story. Yeah. I I will go one step further than what you said that you weren't excited. I have zero interest of seeing Christian Bale reprise the role of zero interest, zero, zero interest. I I mean, I'm, I'm very interested in Michael Keaton. Again, part of that I think is because of his role as the vulture in, in Spider-Man. I mean, and you know, the upcoming Morpheus, Mm-hmm. Or Morbius, Morpheus. Uh, this isn't Neil Gaiman, uh, but yeah, Christian Bale. I just, I'm just not a fan of his, honestly. Uh, I, you know, I thought he did well, and I don't think like some people called him the best Batman and best Bruce. I was never enamored with him like this, like some people were. I mean, I, I thought he did well. I, uh, I kind of liked ben affleck better than christian oh i there's no i like ben affleck much better than and, christian and i don't think ben affleck had ben affleck had as strong of a of a character as christian bale christian bale he did, did not um no. and and he was settled with joss whedon who i didn't put any of the joss whedon stuff that's kind of making the rounds right now in the rundown um mm-hmm. but i think did you see ray fisher 
came out yes. and and recanted everything. Uh, um, I, he said no, positive he just, about he Joss Whedon. He, he he didn't just recant. He nuked him yeah, vigorously, and, vigorously recanted. Yeah, I think is speaking what he of said. fallout. Yeah, he nuked him. <laughs> but I so you know I mean one I'm kind of excited about this. Uh, two. I can't believe they're still moving forward with a Flash movie with Ezra Miller after everything that happened with the guy that plays Elongated Man on The Flash um, getting yeah. fired for eight-year-old tweets. And, you know, Ezra yeah. Miller has had zero recourse for choking a lady and knocking her to the ground on camera. Um, I am really really curious about that that and is very i think you know part of it he he's a part of the two major franchises that warners has left with, oh, with dc and harry potter uh yeah. or wizarding world and i i don't know um one he's the worst part of of anything that he's in in my opinion uh i don't <laughs> like him i don't think he's a very good actor um so I don't know. There there are rumors that it's because he's, you know, LGBTQ, whatever the rest of it is, uh, friendly, um, you know, but that shouldn't matter because, you know, all these other people are getting, you know, their careers, their, their careers ended yeah. for words. And, you know, he has actions and, he had actions, and, right. and, you know, like, so, so actions don't have consequences, but words do but like, words do. Yeah. It's really so interesting. Words, hold up. So words are violent, but actions aren't. Is that what you're saying? Sticks Is that what and, they're saying? Sticks and stones won't ever break your bones, but words will tear you down to your core atoms and disperse them into the universe. I mean, that's 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 the new mantra, right? Yeah. And I and again, I and at first, you know, when you know, when I saw him coming, you know, with Justice League and everything, I might have been a little bit biased because of, you know, Grant Gustin. I love him as Barry Allen. Yeah. He's a great whiny. I mean, Barry Allen. Yeah. But then when I actually saw Ezra Miller and I, you know, I don't have the dislike for his acting as much as you do. I think he's okay. I liked him in Perks being a wallflower, for example. See, I didn't like, again, he was to me the worst part of that movie. So, but when I actually saw him as Barry Allen, it just doesn't work for me. No, it, it really does not work for me. And it does not work for Barry Allen as a character to me. I think maybe if, if it was Wally West, I might have had a different point of view. You know what you I mean? You can't do that now. You can't do that now. Wally West is black, dude. Come on. Uh, no, no, he's, he's, he's not. So, um, <laughs> talking about the Flash. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, that that's kind of like what we're talking about. Like, so yeah. so since they had Wally West doing blackface on The Flash, does that mean they have to take all those episodes down? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to our third story. Nice segue. Uh, I'm sorry. You kind, of, you kind of set it up, and I just had to hit it right out of the park. Um. So, so a whole bunch of TV shows are, are taking down episodes off of streaming services, um, which is really getting me to rethink my not buying physical media. Um, yes, absolutely. And, and you know, so like uh, in this in the Cinema Blend, Cinema Blend article that's linked on the site, uh, Jimmy Fallon had to apologize for, for doing 
what they call blackface, but was really an impersonation where he was dressed in black, like dressed like yeah. as a black person and, and like had Chris Rock, full makeup. It? Yeah, he was Chris Rock and his Chris Rock imitation is fantastic. Um, he had to apologize. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel didn't have to apologize for the same thing as Carl Malone. And again, I don't I don't like Jimmy Kimmel. So this hurts yeah. defending Jimmy Kimmel, but he shouldn't have to apologize for that either. No, There's a whole bunch of other things. Um, <clears throat> the man show that he probably should apologize yeah. for. <laughs> and I love the fact that he's on vacation as soon as this, this stuff hits. And he's like, Dude. this was planned for over a year and blah, blah, right. blah. You have, you have, yeah. Did you do the air quotes when you said vacation? I did. Yeah, so okay. um, it's putting his tail between his legs and going hiding in, in a in a very expensive fancy hole, um, eating room service for the next four months. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you know, Howard Stern got got in trouble. Uh, but yeah, so Community took down uh, the Dungeons and Dragons Advanced Dungeons and Dragons episode um, because uh, Ken Jong's character shows up in blackface, um, you know, and and. It's weird, and so like Yvette Nicole Brown called uh, called it out for a hate crime. Yeah, I um, remember that. Yeah, that episode. So and and so yeah, I don't. I mean, <sighs> blackface is wrong, hands down. Don't ever do it. It's stupid. It, it is. It's 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 offensive. It really is. But. When it's in parody and it's in comedy and things like that, I think once we start censoring comedy that way, um, we, we're going to forget a lot of lessons. So I, I was telling you before we started, like the big one, the big one that bothers me is the the Scrubs one. Because um, there's an episode where JD is having a fantasy and it's a fantasy of his two best friends mixed into one person. So it's Donald Faison's character, Turk. Um and it's Sarah Chalk's character, Elliot. And it's Elliot, and she's in a bald cap, and her skin is black. But everything else is Elliot. And he's she's got Turk's butt, right? Because JD's mm-hmm. always going on about Turk's butt. Um, and he's imagining this, and he's making out with, with Sarah Chalk. And they're calling that blackface, and that's not. And plus, it's a fantasy. Like... like can't like when when we can't have fantastical elements anymore and when you know um like the big thing about these shows where like Kristen Bell is leaving the the Apple TV oh. cartoon that nobody yeah. watches and Jenny Slade, Slade is leaving Big Mouth because they are in Cleveland the, yeah in the actor place Cleveland um you know it's like okay so when instead of doing like for voice acting it should be the best voice for the character. It, it doesn't matter like if it's a guy or a girl, like cause Nancy Cartwright has done the voice of Bart Simpson for damn near 30 years. Amazingly. Absolutely. 100%. So, so now do we have to get a fourth grade boy to do the voice of Bart Simpson or a talking dog to do Brian on family guy? I mean, it, this type it's, of now, stuff. And- so, you know, no, I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's a fair statement to say. No, I, I think it absolutely is a fair statement because what people were saying, and this and this is what pisses me off, is what people are saying is that you need someone to represent that. Well, what is the character? This is the first thing. What is the character? Mm-hmm. And then you go by what is the best voice for that character. You don't go by what the person is in real life. And right. that's and I, so. and I know it's a it's you know you're it's it's a little bit hyperbole, hyperbole, but that's purposefully done. But again, what I said before the podcast is this was. What the problem becomes is when you kowtow to these type of things, 
they keep going and mm-hmm. they keep going and they keep going. Yeah. Now, now if you're talking about live action, as, as far as race goes, now you know when they were talking about your certain things like um, when Brian Cranston played, you know, the quadriplegic in what, what was that movie, The Upside? Oh and yeah, with, people were upset yeah. about that. Yeah. And again, this is the thing people have to understand. It's acting. So, okay? so I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to, to that particular role. You find me a quadriplegic actor who is as good as Brian Cranston at the craft of yeah. acting. One hundred percent will support it. I, I would be, and and that's a perfect point. I would be fine with that. But however, like, to, and this is people, and there's a certain sect of people that live their lives with finding fault with anything that doesn't fall into the purview of this is what I believe race should be like. This is what I believe sex should be like. Right. All of this stuff. And you can't, and, and going back, you know, going back to the whole blackface thing. Yes, you're right. It is offensive. I mean, again, does it offend me? No, but you know, I don't speak for everyone that's black. Uh, just like, but the, my problem is. So, you know, if you ever put comedy, your uh, bio and, and picture up on the website, like people will kind of understand yeah. why we're having this conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, and, and yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And to your point about comedy, to your point about comedy, comedy has always been about you know jumping on that, walking that razor's edge line between you know the you know between reality and parody and being offensive. Right. Always. Right. And once you take that out of comedy, it's not only that you're taking out of a, you know, an important part of comedy as far as learning lessons and seeing the ridiculous nature of how certain people view things. Mm-hmm. You, you're also limiting the comedians because a lot of these comedians, you know, some of them, thankfully, are going to be, you know, give them, you know, give them the index finger. Yeah. But a lot of these comedians, especially the ones that are coming up, are going to be so hamstrung with the material they can use that comedy is going to become a, a lost art. Right. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I mean, I think I think when you're looking at it through that lens, right, um, mm-hmm. you have to be able to have that commentary on things. And, you know, like Phil Lamar put out a tweet saying that it's not the same thing saying that only white people should play white ca- cartoon characters. Right. Um, where he's done his fair share of white animated voices and not a problem man he's an awesome voice actor he's actually probably in the top five of voice actors he's great and and he's amazing like great is an understatement he's an amazing voice actor he's actually a fairly talented um you know actor actor where you know we were talking about mark hamill the other day and you know this will kind of come back up later but mark hamill is not a great actor no he's not but he is in the top three of voice actors. Mm-hmm. Easy. Easy. He's in the top three. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where the the better, like, so you look at the people who have done the, the voice of the Joker. It was, you, know, you have Mark Hamill. You have Joe DiMaggio. You have uh, Kevin Michael Richardson. Three very different voices. Um, all doing them different ways. All good in their own right. But there's only one of those that's iconic. So, um, I don't know. My big thing is, is the whole censorship thing. And my big thing is erasing history. Um, yes. I think, you know, we talked about them taking Gone with the Wind down. And they put it back up. And there's a there's a, a small little vignette beforehand that talks about why, 
you know, this movie was the way it was and, and how things were when it was, the book was written, when the film was made, and in the relationship to race in the United States then. And I, this is, I have a problem with that because, and this is why I have a problem with that. It's like you're making, you're trying to spoon feed people on the differences between, like it, it should, it sh- the fact that things are different now than when that movie was made, what, 60, 70, 80, I don't even know, like what's 80 19, years ago? 1930, yeah. That makes sense. Almost like, 100 years ago. It's like people like to try to, this is my problems when people try to judge things based on what we know now versus then. Well, I mean, I mean it's like, you know, it, it's this, again, and not trying to be political, but it's this country. We try and base everything off of what the zeitgeist at the moment is in this country. Like, you know, everyone assumes that China should act the way we act and that, you know, people in China are treated the way they're treated here to to whatever extent. And they're not. Um, but, you know because China is a, a communist country and you know, this, this podcast is totally getting banned in China for us saying that now, but um, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where you have to understand that just because you want something to be some way, right. Right. Doesn't mean you know enough to forget it and to yeah, let man. it be forgotten. Um you know, there, there, there's, there's people who are, are, are tearing down statues and things like that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and defend Confederate general statues, but you know where they should be in a museum somewhere as a cautionary tale mm-hmm. of what not to do. And mm-hmm. to remind people, like there are evil people on the planet and there are evil people on the planet who we need to remember. So we don't repeat mm-hmm. that. And, you know, yeah, I- and I'm not saying, I'm not saying Netflix is evil. I'm not saying Amazon is evil. I'm not saying, well, I mean, who loses a little evil I just, because it's honestly, owned by Disney, but you know, but there's a Golden <laughs> Girls episode. Like, do we cancel Betty White now? Yeah. Because I, I she think, did blackface. Like, do we yeah. cancel I, Betty White? I th- this is the thing. I think that there are, like, to your point, again, I don't know if they're evil or I'm going to, I'm going to assume that they're not, you know, that's an assumption I'm making. Mm-hmm. However, I do think they're ignorant by thinking that removing stuff and whoever thinks removing things like this makes the country better or makes things better is very ignorant because these things aren't, you know, we can still teach lessons from these Mm -hmm. things. And that's the important factor that people don't think about. People want to, it's funny on one hand, people want to erase history, but at the other hand, they want to remind you, Hey, you know, you know, the slavery thing happened Mm -hmm. and we should get reparations and all this stuff. So, and again, it it, it actually, you know, it, it, it's a hip, uh, it's it's a hypocriticalness. I don't even know if that's a word, hypocriticalness. But uh, I'll uh, allow with, it. <laughs> um, I, I I will allow that. <laughs> of and you mentioned China, and yeah. it's a good point. China is not like us. No. However, my problem is when you have people that you know show their hypocritical nature, say LeBron James and stuff, who will castigate the United States. You know, the greatest country out there. Because, you know, I know people are always trying to get in here and, you know, don't doesn't say anything to ch- about China, you know, kind of shuts up about China. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind if you don't say anything, but right. when you have that that it's just hypocritical. That's the problem I have. When yeah, I don't see people, a lot of people leaving. Yeah. You know, I see a whole lot of people, lot of people trying people to get in here would. and like, you know, Europe or the EU is saying that they're going to ban <laughs> people from the U.S. traveling to uh, to the to Europe. OK. <laughs> 
Okay. You, you know what? I spent a good chunk of time in uh in Europe in the European Asia border at the end of last year. I'm oh, yeah. okay if I don't go yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I was, I'm, I'm perfectly respectful when I travel. I try to pick up phrases before I leave so that I can at least, you know, ask questions in, in the, in the native language, um, you know, and, 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 you know, ask, like, hopefully get to someone who's, who can speak English, but, um, <laughs> you know, but like, it's still like, I have to be able to ask like where certain things are. And, and I yeah. learned that and I can probably say, you know, probably 10 or 15 phrases and, you know, and I'm not saying I speak multiple languages, but like I can say 10 or 15 things and, you know, probably six different languages. And that's because like I've had the opportunity to leave the country and uh, I'm always very happy to come home. <laughs> so <laughs> like and I'm not bashing it. I mean, but the thing is, is like in Spain, for example, like I was there when the the catalonians were trying to burn barcelona to the ground but they weren't destroying like their history you know um and, and there there are things there to remind them of like the different spanish civil wars that have happened and and you know and there's things like that oh that's the other thing is uh people want want marvel to change the name of captain america civil war now because civil war is hold on hear me out civil war is a term that's connotated to slavery i didn't hear it i didn't even hear about that yeah i heard that yeah so i heard that oregon and oregon state their rivalry it it came out it came out of that yeah so but yeah i just stuff like this makes my head hurt like i i'm i'm I think I'm done with Twitter, like you are. Oh, I'm done. Yeah, I'm. I'm not so, like I go to Twitter when somebody sends me a funny link. That's it. Sorry. Twitter is a. That's <laughs> usually me. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter is a cesspool that I I would love to be like it get a virus and just be destroyed. Yeah, I, I, I just can't stand Twitter. I, I think you know, Jack Dorsey's always talking about like wanting to like do good for the planet. You know what the best thing Jack Dorsey could do right now? nuke twitter just shut it down dude just focus on your other companies and shut twitter down yeah um all of those very talented engineers will find something else to do um but yeah all right so before we get canceled um (laughs) for having opinions uh yeah just kind of in closing like I, i think it's really really dangerous for these streaming services to come out and do this um i think Disney's been doing things like this for years. I think if you look back to, you know, when when Steven Spielberg edited all the guns out of ET and put walkie-talkies in the people's hands. Okay, see, wow. I again, maybe cuz I haven't seen ET in like 25 years or something. Yeah. I didn't even know that happened. But like it it changed the movie and not for the better, right? And and it took all of the drama and like actual danger and it was like, well, I didn't he was I think his reasoning was he didn't feel like uh, FBI agents should be pointing guns at a kid. And it's like, well, they weren't. They were pointing, pointing at, the at, at the alien that they were terrified of. Um, how would you react? Like, you know, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, they've gone back. I think they, they replaced. I think they went back to the original version. But, you know, um, you know, I've been watching but- like. You know, we, we did the whole heist movie thing. So I watched a bunch of stuff from the 90s. I rewatched the – I actually, not not just the crew. I did a little Brandon Lee mini marathon this week. Um, mm-hmm. So I watched Showdown a Little Tokyo, Rapid Fire, and The Crow. And you know what? Uh, Rapid Fire. You know what everybody is doing in nearly every scene in those movies? 
what smoking smoking yeah and it's like and it's so out of place now that it's like you watch it and you're like oh oh wow like there's a lot of smoking in this and i i understand that that was the point of taking it out but at no point does it look cool (laughs) no i never thought it was cool no never but anyway all right let's save star wars Okay, so I have been all in on the new canon books, right? And I was yeah, all in that. I was all in on, you know, the the expanded universe, now what is called Legends books. Um I did not read every single one of them. Uh but I read a lot of them and I read a lot of the comics. And for a long time that was the only Star Wars we had available to us. Uh and you know, I, I can understand Disney wanting to do their own thing post Jedi. Right? Mm-hmm. I can understand right. that. Um, I think the Mandalorian is really the first time they got it right. And because with with the sequel trilogy, they jumped way too far in the future. And when they jump so far in the future and nothing's actually changed. And you have an empire type entity and you still have rebels. Um, like that's not that's not that made the that made the the OT and the PT, uh, original trilogy and, and prequel trilogy for, for those of you, um essentially useless. And it's to me, it's I don't I, I think it's an overused term, but I honestly think it's it's pretty lazy in the sense of we've we've already seen this okay and i understand the idea of you know trying to catch that you know that those feelings of nostalgia but mm-hmm. get you can do it in another way and yeah. as much as i liked you know the force awakens which was again pretty derivative mm-hmm. it was still fun yeah it introduced us to three well if you count kylo ren four potentially great characters you got to count kylo ren kylo ren yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, was, was thinking, the most developed character of anybody in the in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, so. yeah, because they actually kept up with him instead of losing him to comedy or mm-hmm. Canto Bite or mm-hmm. having um, a, a, a chase scene or whatever. So as we went along, as much as I did, I did appreciate I did appreciate what Abrams tried to do, tried to bring back with them, um, Rides of Skywalker the entire trilogy itself was the problem just centering on the first order and rebels, because like, like you said, what was the point of the original trilogy of defeating Darth Vader or well, of defeating the emperor, defeating the, the blowing up the second death star, all of that stuff. And then you still have, you find yourself what 30 years later in the same spot. Right. It's and yeah. It, and, and you know, like why not have them having an established government and then, fighting something coming out of the the outer rim and it doesn't have to be or the unknown territories whatever it doesn't have to be thrawn it doesn't have to be heir to the empire right Right. um i feel like the way they baked thrawn into the new trilogy or into the new canon through rebels and through the the three zon timothy zon thrawn books actually makes a lot of sense and so he can show up down the line and it'll be a different kind of character because He's not evil, and he wasn't evil in Heir to the Empire, but he's still this character that can come in with with either evil machinations of taking back over 
with the, the chest ascendancy, or he can come in as some sort of a savior um, with Ezra Bridger, played by Dan Patel, in, in tow, <laughs> um, you know, and and you know we can he can tell a story about about something that's an even greater threat to the galaxy than the empire which is what is alluded to in the books um mm-hmm. i am I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be blunt i don't think they should make any more star wars movies i think they should only do tv shows and cartoons um so i, I have reasons know, but go ahead well well one, we know that's not going to happen just because of the moneymaker. However, I do agree that I would I would really appreciate if they just focused on the, the Disney Plus, the TV shows, and the cartoons for the next five or six years. Yeah. Uh, just and again in that time because again what what one of the things you know we're going to talk about is how they are looking to create a. I, so they used two different things. They used, you know, that I I think it was Dinner Nerds that that coined it the Star Wars MCU. Yeah, we talked about that last uh, week. The Star Wars MCU. But uh, someone else mentioned like it's and what what they've mentioned is going to be kind of like if all the houses of Game of Thrones. Yeah, had their own. Yeah, and, and I mean that was what was initially the idea with um, the double D's from from Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. But I mean we've hit diminishing returns on right. the Star Wars movies. Um, yeah. looking at just kind of looking at the, the new wave of movies, right? Um, we had the, the, uh, not the last Jedi, the force awakens made over $2 billion, uh, came out to two billion six hundred uh, sixty eight million two hundred $2,628,624 worldwide, right? It's domestic box office was 936 million plus. Um, and then you had Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which, you know, was not expected to do that, but it was a billion fifty six thousand fifty seven or fifty six million fifty seven thousand two hundred and seventy three. Great. So it did less. Great. No, no one expected that to do more. And then we have um, The Last Jedi, which came in at one billion three hundred and thirty two thousand or three hundred thirty two million five hundred and thirty nine thousand eight hundred and eighty nine. Okay, so that's about half. All right. And then we have Solo, a Star Wars story, which worldwide only did $393 million and change. All right. And then the um, the Rise of Skywalker was dollars uh, $1,073,496,600. So you like the story is there. And and then if you're looking at so look at the toys, the toy sale, you know, you know what all the peg warmers are is the characters like um, Benia Toro's character, Rose, any Finn figure, which is a travesty, um, a whole bunch of the Ray figures, which is a travesty. Poe Dameron characters was a travesty. Those are the those are the toys that sit on the pegs at Target, at Walmart before Toys R Us closed down that nobody wants that you can go to five below right now. And I, I get, I, I guarantee you can go in any five below near you. And there are no less than 10 Finn action figures on a peg. And, yeah. And like you said, that's a travesty. Those things, again, look at the history mm-hmm. of star Wars and toys and selling it yeah. out. And 
becoming, you know, just collector's items, commodities. And you don't have that now because of right. just the way they screwed the pooch with all of these. But you the, look at this, this new trilogy. You look at the, you know, the 40th anniversary Empire Strikes Back figures that they're doing. Like, those sell out in minutes. The, the prequel characters that they're doing for the first time as six inch figures sell out in minutes the mandalorian figures sell out in seconds oh jeez right i yeah. mean I, like so it's the, it's not so like the demand, the, is, still the demand is is still there but it's not for any of the yeah. new stuff and and that's sad um you know but at the same time i remember the dark days you remember the dark days. We're old enough, you know, we're not we're not boomers or anything, but we're old enough to remember when the only way to get Star Wars was through the power of the Force figures, through comic books and through books. And those mm-hmm. god awful Ewok movies, um with that stupid family that crashed on Endor. Um you know, and they they leave their daughter in the cave. She's a little kid. What what the hell are you doing? One of you needs to stay behind to take care of her. Anyway, um, <laughs> but you know, that, that being said, like, you know, we're still talking about over four, almost, uh, over $5 billion in, in, in revenue from these movies. So, I mean, that's nothing to shake your head at, but the diminishing, diminishing return as it went through, um, what was a travesty. I mean, rogue rogue one's domestic box office was 532 million. The Rise of Skywalker was 515 million. Um, the Last Jedi was 620 million. So, I mean, it's still like it went down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, the budgets stayed roughly the same. Um, you know, The Force Awakens wa- was over 300 million, but the rest of them are, are between 275 and 200 million. And, you know, you're, you're, they're still, I mean, they're making their money back, right? We were talking about this earlier, too. Like, with the comedies, like what's wrong with making a $30 million dollar comedy and making $150 million domestic yeah. and not worrying about the overseas market. Yeah. Now these movies are different. These movies are supposed to be they're They're, they're for kids. They're for everyone. And, and, you know, I, I, I never, I never watched star Wars and, and was like, you know, I don't, I only see white people like, you know, it, it's been like star Trek, like, like Star Wars, it's always had a lot of like strong characters from many different walks of life. And the important thing about that, uh, like I love the connection to Star Star Trek has always been that way. And I've never, one of the things I never looked at when I was watching those, they, they, it was always organic in the way they, they displayed stuff. And Avery Brooks, that's his name, right? Um, the one that played Cisco. Yep is like someone asked him a question at a conference about you know being a black guy you know playing this role and he said i never looked at it like that yeah. i looked at like playing the best captain that i could play and that's why he's one of the best captains and you know even yeah. though i think voyager is far and away the weakest series of of star right. trek i think captain janeway is probably the best captain when it comes to uh, you know captaining a starship oh yeah i think i think she was great you know, I mean, Cisco had his issues, which were fine. Um, Picard was as arrogant as they come and, and had no oh, qualms absolutely. about putting his people in danger. Kirk was a whore. Um, Archer was <laughs> preoccupied with trying to actually, like, build the Federation. And, you know, that was at the cost of, you know, the the actual mission of the Enterprise. 
Whereas like Janeway actually was a captain and, and, you know, mother figure to her crew, like, like it should be. And I think Burnham in discovery is really quite the heir apparent to the Janeway character. And I think uh, the ways, uh, is it Sequoia? I think that's how you say her name. Uh, Green plays Michael Burnham. She's a great character and she's so multifaceted and so layered, mm-hmm. you know, and, Star Star Wars has always had Leia has always been a multifaceted character. Um, mm-hmm. you know, even though we don't get a lot of actual Mon Mothma, like Mon Mothma is a very like she's a complicated character and right. she's very strong in and you know You see that the, more in Rebels too. You uh, do. Like, oh absolutely. The, the 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 two or three episodes you see her in Rebels, you get that. The the bit you get of her in um Rogue One. The, the deleted scene from from Revenge of the Sith, you know, and, and it's just it's a travesty that, you know, they they let the casual fans um, think that Leia's the person who's actually in charge of the rebellion. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, there's there's a whole thing going around about how Ryan Johnson really understood Star Star Wars. And that's why The Last Jedi was so controversial. And it's like. No, Ryan Johnson did not understand anything. Sam Witwer said it best. It's somebody who just read the Cliff Notes. And, you know, Ryan Johnson is a talented filmmaker. And, you know, I'm sure now that Knives Out is on Amazon, I'll I'll probably watch it at some point. And I've only heard good things, but not the right director for the role. Yeah, it's and again, it's I, I've used this sports analogy a lot. Is that just because you're a great offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator doesn't mean you can be a great, you know, head coach? Yeah, look at Josh McDaniels. I mean, he's gone off yeah. to be a head coach, and you, what does he do after one season? Tucks his tail and goes back under Bill Belichick's wing. Yeah, I, it, it, we see it all the time. Charlie, you know, um, Charlie Weiss, name? Charlie Weiss. Uh, Dick LeBeau, this happens. Marvin it's Lewis. Just be, yeah, yeah, Marvin Lewis. Just he was a great, great, great defensive coordinator. He was a great yeah. defensive coordinator for the Steelers. But that was also an organization yeah. that puts an onus Ravens. on women. Oh, sorry, the Ravens. Oh, no, you t- no, he was no, with the Steelers. I mean, LeBeau, but I mean, Martin Lewis was a, he was a, he was a, he was a, he was a the defensive coordinator, but he was a coordinator or a, a coach oh, on before that Before he went to the Ravens. Before he went to the Ravens, yeah. Both two organizations that put an onus on winning. And and you put him in a role with a team like the Bengals, and he can't do anything. He's just yeah. you know, I mean, he's hamstrung by by the limitations. Whereas you know, um, and I know we're we're not really getting into the how we're going to save this, but um, so let's talk about some of these rumors real quick because they're talking about like there's all these rumors coming out claiming they're going to erase the sequel series, and I think that would be. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That would be. Um... As they said in Armageddon when they were talking about, you know, hitting the asteroid with nukes, it'd be a terrible idea. Absolutely terrible idea. Right. This is not comic book. These aren't comic books. Mm -mm. This is a, again, you said what, over $5 billion made over the last five years with all of these movies. And then to just to write them out like this, not even wait like 10 years or 15 years and just kind of like ignore them, but actually write them out to or some stupid time travel or whatever they, well, you know, some of the. So they introduced this whole idea, idea of the world between worlds and rebels, 
which which is pretty cool. It was amazing and it's awesome and and you know there's a lot that they can do with that. Um and, and they're talking about doing like maybe a multiverse type of a thing where they can go back and make some changes. The Star Wars yeah. cinematic universe is closer to yeah. the DC universe than the MCU right now. And and there's one That is so sad. There's one reason for that. There's no collective vision. There's not, there's like, there's no vision for what, what they want this to be. You've got, you've got too many agendas. You've got the, the whole idea that the force is female, which again, Star Wars is for everyone. And, and you know, my, my daughter has been raised on Star Wars and she's never been lacking for strong female characters. Um, especially because she was able to grow up with the Clone Wars. And, you know, so the Clone Wars cartoon, which I think the any reason people look back at the prequel trilogy with the fondness that they're looking back on it now is because of that cartoon series. Whereas, like, you look at the Resistance cartoon series that was set in the, the new canon and it's hot garbage and nobody liked it. And, you know, people are like, well, it came around at the end. It really didn't. <laughs> it didn't. I'm sorry. It, it didn't. The best part of that was the First Order seeing more of them and understanding why like the galaxy was afraid of them. But at the end of the day, it's a throwaway series that people will not remember. It's not included in any kind of rewatch list. Um, and, and it doesn't have any bearing on the story. So to fix this, right. They have the perfect vehicle in Disney plus. Absolutely. And, I think doing a Boba Fett series is is not going to help. No. I think the way they're doing The Mandalorian, I think inter- introducing a live-action Ahsoka, a live-action Thrawn, a live-action Ezra, will, will, will lend to the past but set the direction for the future. And you have to at some point incorporate Leia and Luke and Han – into this group or into this story as younger people. And I told you, uh, I told you the other day when, when I was riding to the gym, like this means you have to have actors who are not Mark Hamill, who are not Harrison Ford and who are not Carrie Fisher for obvious reasons with her to, to have other actors play these roles. Yeah. And I do think there is a set. And again, people, there are some people that like to call some of these fandoms toxic. And yeah. Look, there there are look, I don't care what at fandom, what sect, like whether it's politics or no matter what, you're gonna have people that are toxic. Yeah. But when and they're you, always when the loudest just, and they're usually the minority. Yeah. And Twitter. Ah, perfect. Oh perfect did you see that. the stats? So Twitter is like of the top like I think I wanna say it was of the top twenty social networks in the world. Twitter was the third from the bottom. With only 330 million active users. Um, and and that's monthly, not even daily. Whereas, you know, Facebook and YouTube, you're in the billions. <laughs> that, that, and again, to your point, it's about, like, you know, the small minority making the loudest noise over things. And, well, and I'll tell you why people give Twitter the credence that they do. It's because you can pull someone a tweet from a conversation – out of context and frame it around the narrative that you want to frame it 
And the person who tweeted that tweet will then go and either make their stuff private or delete that tweet, thus deleting the rest of the conversation. And, you know, whereas like, just leave it up. Like if you, if there's more to it, leave it there. Now, obviously people back in the day when Twitter first started in 2007 thought it was really funny to go on there and be edgy because that's how you got followers. Right. Yeah. Right. But you know, that that ended really really fast and you know you look at james gunn right who by the way should totally be a director in line to do a star wars movie um you know along with you know you have taika james gunn i think if they're gonna continue to do movies uh rick fukuama uh i think that's isaiah's name from from the first season uh should get a get a movie deborah troy should get a movie uh bryce dallas howard should get a movie and you know like do do that like have this stable of storytellers who all already work well together and do it that way. Don't bring in these weird outside voices. Don't bring in these these people like Ryan Johnson who are going to, you know. So, I mean, if you look at at the Star Wars sequel trilogy, right? Um, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Director, J.J. Abrams. Screenwriters, Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan. J.J. Abrams, Michael Ardent. Uh, producers, Kathleen Kennedy, blah, blah, blah. Um, so you have a director, you have a screenwriter, you have a story by. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, director J.J. Abrams, written by J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio. Story by Derek Connolly, Colin Chevro, J.J. Abrams, Chris Terrio. Then you look at The Last Jedi, director, screenwriter, story by Ruin Johnson. You, you just can't, you can't do that with these movies. It can't be a writer-director thing unless that person's name is George Lucas. And even then, it should honestly just be story by George Lucas Mm -hmm. and have someone like Larry Kasdan coming in and and cleaning up the script Um, and and someone else directing. Yeah, it's... Like that's that how you save Star Wars, right there. Yes, absolutely. You do that. You have Jon Favreau as your Kevin Feige. Do not let John Favreau and, and, direct a Star Wars movie. Yeah, and and like what they're doing with the you know the Disney Plus and just like they did with Rebels and let Dave Filoni you know do his thing. You have and again what 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 you said earlier that unified vision. That you you can't have all these cooks with their different agendas in the kitchen, and that's the biggest yeah. issue I saw over these last five or six years. Mm-hmm maybe even longer than that yep. where you have, you know, you have the Kathleen Kennedy's you have, you, you just have all these people with all these different agendas, separate agendas, like take, you know, take the fans out of it for a minute. But uh, these people that aren't working together in the right way to make the product for the fans mm-hmm. and having that vision, having that unified vision, like you said, having that Favreau who is at, you know, at he's the Kevin Feige of this, having that will, absolutely save star wars right and i mean because like so you look at the fan base a third of the fans love the sequel trilogies like to love right mm -hmm. a third of the fans hate to loathe right and then another third of the fans are indifferent and indifferent is just as bad as hating yes it is and you know and this isn't the hardcore fan base this is fans this is the entire group and the toxic fans from both extremes, just like American politics, just like world politics, um, are are toxic. There are toxic people who love it, and they don't want to hear that you know 
The Last Jedi is a very flawed, flawed movie, and it really was a speed bump for the end of the Skywalker saga. It really was. Um, if it's a standalone movie where you introduce all of these characters for the first time, that's different. If, if, if episode seven was episode six, it's a very different thing. Mm-hmm. But it can't. It's the middle part of a story, which is the, the second act is the most important act in a play. Right. It's the meat of the story. Um, you know, and, and so you know, you have Kathleen Kennedy as the the only constant throughout all of these as the producer. Um, even the it was JJ for the first one and and the third one, and then a guy named Brian Burke for the first one, and a a woman named uh, Michelle Rowan for the for the third one and then it was just Kathleen Kennedy and Ram Bergman who I don't even know who Ram Bergman is but uh you know for for the last Jedi and you have to have a cohesive voice that that producer credit for all three of those films should say you know Kathleen Kennedy and JJ Abrams throughout all three and the fact yep. that they didn't line up the writer to be the writer for all three and that they picked uh, a director who is a 100% writer, director, auteur to do a, the middle part of a story is ridiculous. And, and, and that's again, how you save it. To, you don't do that. Let's go back to, let's go to Marvel. Let's look at some of their best movies over the last five years, starting with the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. and then Civil War and then Infinity War and then Endgame. Look at the writing, directing, like the writing, directing team. I, it, and, and you can see that symmetry of having, you know, this, these Uber, you know, you, you had the Russo brothers and then you had the Marcus and McFeely do, being writing the script. Mm-hmm. And you can see, you know, that symmetry of these directors being able to work with the writers. And I like what you said about using these directors that they already, you know, you know, cut their teeth in the Star Wars universe with Mandalorian mm-hmm. season one. Yeah, the it keep the and again, one of the things I liked about that uh, the behind the scenes. Yeah, the gallery. These yeah. Direct, yeah, seeing them these directors talk about their episodes and talk. This it, it just seems like they have a chemistry as far as working together towards one common goal, mm-hmm. which again has a big part of Feige is or not Feige, but um, uh, Favreau, Favreau is a big major part of that. Um, and that's how, again, going back, it's really simple to save star Wars. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some other details we can talk about, but just having that unified vision, having, I I wanted to say Feige again, (laughs) having Favreau, um, I have Marvel in the mind, uh, having Favreau have that unified vision and under him and with him with Dave Filoni and these directors that we saw, Bryce Dallas, Howard, Deborah Cho, Mm -hmm. um, Rick, the guy, uh, yeah, Fukuyama, yeah, Taika, yeah. I mean, so, Taika only did one episode, but he was involved the whole time. He was the voice of IG-88, yeah. or IG-11, sorry. Um, yes. And, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where they were all on staff together. And you listen to Deborah Troy. She's talking about Obi-Wan, uh, the Kenobi series. And she talks about how, like, yeah, she's the writer-director for every episode. And she misses she missed the the camaraderie of the the team on on Mandalorian. Now, mm-hmm. the the difference is, is you know, she, she has been in the star Wars universe now. And she told, she had, you know, two really good episodes. Um, you know, I don't think there was really a bad 
episode. I know people kind of are, are lukewarm on, on the, uh, the prison break episode, but I really like that one. Yeah, um, I really like that one. But, you know, I mean, part of the problem with that one was Bill Burr, but just because you see him and you're like, oh, it's Bill Burr. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Wasn't the snow up trooper wise ass? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, but you know, at the end, at the end of the day, um, it, it's still, it's still, a, it's still something where I, Favreau and Dave Filoni and, and to whatever part she's involved, Kathleen Kennedy are putting together the blueprint for how to do this. Um, you know, everybody keeps talking about, Oh, Kathleen Kennedy's going to get fired. We've been hearing this for three years now. Um, Kathleen Kennedy isn't leaving star Wars until she's ready to leave star Wars. Um, because like it or hate it, the movie made, the movies made $5 billion since 2006, uh, 2015. Yeah. And right. 2015. Yeah. So, um, and it, it's not, it hasn't even been five years yet. It's been four years, four and a half years. And, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, you know, the, the only major misstep was Solo. And Solo was a sacrificial lamb to The Last Jedi for two reasons. One, there was a huge part of the fan base that was really upset about The Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson did not handle the social media for that well. And he alienated a lot of fans. And they decided to make Solo the sacrificial lamb. And the fact that Star Wars stuck to that May release date instead of doing it at Christmas like the rest of the movies. Um, it was just all far too close together. So, so are you saying like, just to be clear, when you say a major misstep, are you talking about from a financial yeah. perspective? Like I think Solo? if they okay. had, so full Solo, obviously like Lord and Miller were, I think three weeks away from completing principal photography, um, when they got fired and then Ron Howard came well, in how and, that happens that. Well, again, you know, I mean, that that's on Kathleen Kennedy for having a bad relationship with the directors. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Rogue One got a completely new ending. Um, the Force Awakens, when Her- the, the best thing that happened to The Force Awakens, apparently, was when Harrison Ford broke his leg and they had to go back to the drawing board and rewrite the second half of the movie. Um, you know, so so th- th- those are all issues that I put on her shoulders as the, the executive in charge of Lucasfilm. Um, but at the same time, they did not have to air all of that dirtiness from solo in public right? the way they did. And, and I think that's the other thing is they just kind of need to shut the fuck up. Um, make star Wars secretive again. Yeah. Like, like, you know, uh, like everything that's happening, like with Harry Potter, right. Or with the wizarding world stuff right now with JK Rowling and, you know, her views on the world. And the way she's alienating certain people and, you know, it's really funny where, where people, they really want to cancel Joe Rowling, but they can't cause they love Harry Potter too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that it really kind of makes me laugh. Whereas like my kid loves Harry Potter. She could care less what J- JK Rowling thinks about anything. Um, and yeah. you know, she, she started to read the cursed child and, and kind of had the same reaction to, uh, the avatar movie, uh, the last airbender movie. She's like, yeah, this isn't Harry <laughs> Potter. Like, you know, she didn't cry, but you know, um, that's not avatar. <laughs> I'll never, this, this is like my favorite moment as a dad. Um, cause you know, we, we, we love that so much, but I, I think you, you look at the one, 
look at the cast that they have for these sequel movies, right? Adam Driver is the best actor of his generation. He's pretty good. Period. Best actor. Daisy Ridley was an unknown actress who came in and is so likable and and you just want to yeah. root for her. Um John Boyega, I think that was really misused as Finn um until <sighs> The Rise of Skywalker. Right. Um and and you go back and you look at at the character he played in Pacific and Rim Uprising, right? That is a that movie's a hunk of shit. He was the absolute best part of that movie. Um, Attack of the Block. He is great in that movie. I, I'm I'm a huge John Boyega fan, and like the upside on that guy is endless. He can do anything. Um, like if they do the multiverse with the Black Superman, that's your guy. I could I could see him as that right. Uh, but um, yeah, to your point. It's oh, just, oh, and like, then Oscar but, Isaac, who is yeah the one of the greatest character actors ever to be filmed ever. And we, we, we've talked about this before with just, just for example, with Boyega, you have a stormtrooper who as a young age was taken from his family, mm-hmm. just like the other stormtroopers and forced to you know be these soldiers. Mm-hmm. And he rebels against that programming, that conditioning he got. We get none of that discussion. Talk about how interesting that could have been. Right? And the fact that they trilogy. kept alluding to him being force sensitive and that the yeah. kids who were force sensitive, that's why it didn't take. And then you have Jaina and all of the, or uh, yeah, Jaina and all of the, the people that they found um, on the other moon near Indoor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like that's a thing. That is the beginning of Ray's new world order of force users. <laughs> yeah, it's. For life. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's yeah. just so. Yeah. Again, the way to save this is to have a cohesive vision. The way to save this is not to do another movie until 2025, 2026. And in the Absolutely. meantime, put out between six and ten series that are six to eight episodes a series. Some of them are limited, you know, one, maybe two seasons. Kenobi should just be one season. Um, one season, yeah, absolutely. You know, Boba Fett should be none. Boba, opinion, Boba, Boba Fett could be like a TV movie, like a, um, you know, a, a, a Disney Tales Plus Saturday night special. Yeah, that would be great. Like, show us Dengar, show us Bosk, show us IG-88. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do do some of that. Um you know, Lom, uh, for Lom. and and you know, go from there. But I, I think, I think one, they're gonna have to start pulling in the Skywalker clan. They're gonna have to pull in, you know, Mon Mothma. Um, you know, that actress is the perfect age to be playing her. They they're gonna have to take a look at at you know the aftermath books that Chuck Winding wrote, which were were the the first one was really good. The last one was great. The the middle one. It was okay. Um, looking at Alphabet Squadron, Harrison Dula is a major player in the Alphabet Squadron books, right? Like mm-hmm. looking at how to incorporate that stuff into a TV series, into cartoons, and and then relaunching the movie franchise with the New Republic being set up and stable, stable. 
and not having Leia off doing her own thing as the quote unquote resistance for what, you know, it, it just, it changed nothing. And you, you just, you can't do that. You, you can't devalidate the first six movies. Yeah. And I, again, I firmly or it, or I am firmly in your camp talking about having the six to eight series over the next five years, 2025 at the earliest, you know, having a movie again, we, again, going back to the MCU a little bit, we've talked about this before with the X-Men. We, we don't need the X-Men right away, you know, nope. wait, wait four or five, six years down the line and then bring the X-Men. Yeah. 2020, 2024, 2025. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, it'll be right. Yeah. You have the rights. Just because just you yeah. have the rights doesn't mean you don't have, you have to use them right. because guess what? You're the owners. You're not yes, licensing exactly. them. You didn't go and get the copyright from another company and have that handcuff, um, you know, and, and do it right. Don't just throw Storm into Black Panther. Yeah, that's you know yeah. that you're skipping a huge step. Just kind of with just like Captain Marvel, where they skipped the whole Miss Marvel thing, and the whole yeah. the whole point of how she got from being Miss Marvel, who was a not as confident hero, still super powerful, to Captain Marvel, who in the comics is a legit badass, um, albeit super boring. But, you know, it, I mean, it's like Hyperion, who is the Marvel version oh. of Superman, uh, who boring. makes Superman look downright interesting and, and you know, multi-dimensional. Yeah. Um, uh, and I love Superman, so I'm not going to. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan. But, yeah. but um, yeah, to that point, it's funny. I was explaining this. Uh, one of the kids in our, our Muay Thai class, he's like 15 or so. He was asking about Captain Marvel. And I kind of like gave him a little history of like, well, technically, you know, and I just went through kind of like what you were saying, you know, she was Miss Marvel first. Yeah. And, you know, missing that, that is huge. Just making her this, you know, her basically if going to um, Dragon Ball Z now, making her, you know, into her final form, Saiyan yeah. form already after the first movie, th there's no, there's no potential for growth. Right. You know, yes, right. Superman with the Man of Steel, you know, he had all these powers, but what Man of Steel, he didn't know how to fly until Man of Steel. He was yeah. still wrestling with what he wanted to become in Man of Steel. Right. What was Carol Danvers wrestling with? Nothing. Her memory. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's original. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's... Th that movie should have never left Earth. No. Whereas, like, not, just like the Green Lantern movie, should have only been off of Earth. The first Green Lantern, the, the Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds. should None of that should have been on Earth. Yep. So... Anyway, um, I, you know, I think I, I feel like the future for Star Wars is bright. Like, I don't want to be like the Den of Nerds. I have I have a great there's a great um, video linked in the um, in the show notes. And it's rumored like, you know, and, and the Star Wars leaks of erasing the sequel trilogy is all rumors. Um, and I don't think they should erase it. I think they should yeah. try and kind of tell more stories in that 30 year span in between and not do a bunch of big long time jumps um, and just kind right. of like eventually get there. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, I, I think we've got some great comics that are out. You've got great books that are out. Um, the first alphabet squadron book has the tie fighter um, comic book series. That's a tie in. Um, and those characters carry th are carrying through the trilogy as well. Um, 
you know, the video games. Let, let, let's talk about Fallen Order for yeah. a second. Like they could do a whole series of games and cartoons and comics and books and TV show about Fallen Order and what what uh, what Cass is up to there and um, or Cass. Sorry. And, uh, you know, there's that we've got squadrons coming out again, tied to the alphabet squadron story, mm-hmm. you know, um, you've got you've got all of these characters. You could have a young Wedge Antilles, someone come back and play Wedge and do a rogue squadron thing. And, you know, uh, one of the really neat things about Alphabet Squadron, and I'm going to keep harping on this because I really love I'm loving this this series. Um, One of the characters, Cass and Chaddock, her she met Jin Urso once. And, you know, that is a nice tie. It is. And, And she she. She has idealized and idolizes Jen Urso for what she did for the rebellion. Um, and, you know, having having that kind of throw in, like the Cassian Andor series, he goddamn better be an agent of the Empire and, and a double agent because that adds a whole so bunch to-, to his character and it makes what happened in Rogue One even better yeah it does and it, and it adds nuance and, and, it, and it adds it adds layers and it adds character and it and you know diego luna is a right now yeah yeah that's the actor yeah diego luna is an awesome actor he's awesome he is so good and you know gi- giving him that kind of stuff to chew up on the screen you know you look at the obi-wan the, or whatever the Kenobi series, whatever they're calling it, like giving you and McGregor the closer to Alec Guinness because he's pretty close to Alec Guinness's age now, um, <laughs> you know, which is, is crazy. I feel so old, but like giving him that like freedom to to explore that part of Obi Wan who's been marooned on on uh, on Tatooine for for three or four years at that point and like he's seeing what the effects of that planet is doing to his body and his mind and his his uh his feelings and and and, and whatever with the force you know I, that that's a story i want to hear and i want to see and i want to be i want to be shown why that's important i just don't tell me these things that right um the kylo ren miniseries um the the ben solo becoming kylo ren is awesome so the that- Knights of Ren, there was an actual character named Ren. And spoiler, spoiler alert, he got got by Kylo before he was Kylo, while he was still Ben Solo. And then he became Kylo Ren. That- and out of that- reverence, reverence took Ren as the mod as the, you know, the modifier of of what he was. That sounds so fascinating. I mean, he had to he had to kill three of his three of the the Jedi that he came up with in order to prove to the Knights of Ren that he was serious. You meet Snoke, who is not all, you know, city and, you know, preachy. He's, you know, he's manipulative. He is he's, you know, he he puts this idea in, in, in Ben Solo's head and sends him off on a path. You get a flashback of um, Ben and Luke and um, Lore, uh, the dude from from The Force Awakens, going on a mission to find 
uh, a Jedi outpost with a bunch of Jedi, you know, uh, artifacts. And it's the first time they meet the Knights of Ren. And, and you know, Ben is 12. It's so cool. So basically, we everything is there. And, and, that, and that's kind of like what we've been talking about is the like we were talking about the toys and stuff. The demand is there. It's just we need as Star Wars fans and it's, you know, the Star Wars universe just needs that unified direction. Yeah. Because again, all these stories, all, you know, and again, you're talking to, you know, I, I haven't read the alphabet squadron, you know, I haven't read any of the, the recent comic books, but it seems like, you know, filling in the gaps, like you said, you know, those gaps between, you know, the original trilogy and, you know, what we have now and, you know, with, with some things a little bit before that, mm-hmm. there is so much, that you can do with star Wars. Once you get that person at the top that is steering the ship. Right. And that's all. And again, it sounds so simple. It's really not though. I mean, it's really not simple. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do. And like, look at wrestling. There's one, there is one voice in wrestling and that voice is so out of touch or well, at least with WWE, that voice is so out of touch with what Mm -hmm. the product is what the fans want, what the what the talent wants, and you know what's socially acceptable. Um, that yeah, like there's no reason that we didn't get Rose as someone who was a brilliant engineer and someone who who actually came into it with with something to give and and you know like you were joking before with agency. Um, mm-hmm. and, and instead we got this person who was kind of lurking in the bowels of the, of the tr- ship and, and, you know, kind of being a hall monitor and, yeah. you know, it's like, like she didn't, to me, it didn't seem like she was that far off from being the janitor that Finn said he was in the movies where again, in the books and the comics, he was so much more than that. And they set it up where he was able to, you know, actually defend himself against Phasma, who they sat up to set up to set up to be the baddest bitch in the galaxy, which we didn't get to see any of that. Yeah, it's and 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 that's that's very disappointing because like 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 we've talked about and like again, you have a lot more history with some of this more recent stuff is there's just so much there to make for interesting and captivating narrative mm-hmm. that the fact that they, you know, they didn't just stub their toe over these last few years. You know, they stubbed their toe and they, they, they tripped and fell on the face yeah. on their face. Yes. They made $5 billion right. collectively, mm-hmm. but it should have been so much more. I mean, you have these writers writing these books, right? You have, you have Claudia gray, you have Timothy's on, you have Alexander freed, like, you have Chuck Winding. Like, whatever their political views are, I don't care. As long as yeah. they're writing good Star Wars stories, great. Like, and they are. And they're writing really neat, cohesive Star Wars stories. Um, Lost Souls, which is about two kids who, who are from the same world. They are, you know, one is from the high class part of the world and the other is from the lower class part of the world. And they become friends because on Empire Day, they're looking at the Lambda class shuttle that Tarkin came in on. And then Mm -hmm. Tarkin catches them and 
they both like spout off the you know in unison like all the specs to the lambda class shuttle and he's like really impressed by them and you know he he challenges them instead of scolding them and and you know uh throwing them in jail he challenges them to become the best citizens of the empire that you can be or that they can be and you you get to follow them as they they grow and they they do their test to get into the academy they go into the academy they are the top two people you know there there's a the romance that comes from being childhood friends and unrequited love and then you're realizing that love but at that point they're star-crossed because one is with the rebellion and one is with the empire and the one with the empire knows that what they're doing is wrong but at at the same time she believes in her heart she's dedicated her life to something good and she can change it it's 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 amazing and it is so it's it's one of the best star wars books that has nothing to do with jedi it's it's one of the best star wars stories that has nothing to do with jedi ever that's just this it's just such a rich universe that like the the fact that it's it's disappointing that that we've gotten to this point yet at the same time i am I am hopeful. Yeah. Based on what we're hearing about, you know, you know, putting Filoni in charge of a lot of the Disney Plus stuff, having Favreau as that, you know, the the Northern Star, if yeah. you will, not yeah. more than just a captain, but also, you know, where we're going to. He knows all of that, and you, Filoni, you mm-hmm. have all these directors from the Mandalorian. If yep. they use these, and and like you said, Choi is doing the the um, Obi Wan series, series yeah. so Kenobi. So, yeah, so it's it's you're it right. Looks like things the ship is getting righted mm-hmm. um they're they're writing the ship it's just it's disappointing these last few years there there again don't get me wrong there's been some good stuff in those few years mm-hmm. i'm talking about just the movies but yeah. and i mean it's, if, it's if star- kathleen kennedy's time is done with star wars i feel like she left with more good than bad but the bad is just so overshadowing yeah and yep. and and like for anybody who's like bitching about how she's handled Star Wars, the most egregious thing on her resume, the most egregious, is the last Airbender. She was a part of that. She was a producer on the last Airbender. That oh. is the most egregious thing on her resume. Oh my goodness, that's a terrible credit. And to I'm your sorry, name. but she learned this business. From Steven Spielberg in his prime, not the whatever we have from him now. Um, you know, again, I feel like he's lost a giant step, but um, you know, she she knows how to do this job and she's done it serviceably. And 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 again, the biggest thing to me in the in these last few years is not having that unified vision. Yeah. And I would have I have to put that on her. Right. Again, even without Absolutely. that unified vision, we still had. Again, I love. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and I, I I enjoyed the Rise of Skywalker for what it was. Mm-hmm. Last Jedi. Every time I think about it, I like it even less. So, even though there were parts of the Last Jedi that I actually liked too. Anything with Rey and Kylo in the Last Jedi Absolutely. is one hundred percent gold. The whole idea of killing yes. the past and letting it die is gold. But we. We didn't get a continuation of the story that was in The Force Awakens. That was the problem, 
right? Exactly. We got all these yeah. new characters that were introduced to us, and everything happened just mere hours after the end of that first movie, which I f- is always a mistake. It's always a mistake to do that in a movie, especially when you have a movie series, especially when you have an something as, as expansive like Star as Star Wars, right? Yeah, um, And it wasn't fair to um, Kelly Marie Tran. Uh, it wasn't fair to Laura Dern, who, you know, I, I hate defending her, um, you know, and, and it wasn't fair to the fact that Carrie Fisher died soon after photography, principal photography of the film ended. And they had a perfect out to give her the exit that she deserved and then to have used the lone person from the original three who wanted to still be involved with star Wars, Mark Hamill in a much bigger way in the third movie. And instead they let them kill Luke off. And I'm going to go back to the, the Nolan dark Knight movie where they leave the Joker alive. And then they did definitively kill off two face, even though Heath Ledger had already died before they finished editing that movie. Whereas they could very easily have kept them both alive the Joker's off in Arkham never to be seen again. And Two-Face can come back as a, as a solo villain in the third movie without Bane. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, it, it, I'm not I'm not the person who's in charge of this. So I don't have that pressure on me. So I can sit here and I can critique and I can prognosticate and I can share thoughts, right? I'm not in that chair. I don't, I don't have those budgets. I don't have the thousands of people of working for me to worry about. But as a, as a lifelong fan who tries to find the positive in everything that comes out about star Wars, I'm super excited for the future. 100%. So, all right. On that note, I need your bio and your picture. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. So cool. I, I mean, this was fun, man. Like, I, I feel like, like this is the type of conversation that we need to be having about, about the things we like. Um, you know, there, there, we, I think we should talk about the boys soon. Um, I know it doesn't come out until August, but I feel like some of the things that they're doing are, are very interesting and very conversation worthy. Um, and I need to rewatch season one. Yeah, I, I busted through it in two days. I just rewatched it when they, because the new little teaser bit came out with uh, Giancarlo Esposito uh, showing up, which is, you know, always welcome to have Gus Fring in, in any show that you watch. Um, I wonder if we're ever going to. Moff Gideon? I, well, I was about to say, I wonder if we're going <laughs> to ever just start calling him Moff Gideon and not. Like if if Moff Gideon will be as if not more iconic than Gus Fring, um, which to me was the best character in all of Breaking Bad. Yeah, I still haven't get. I'll get, I might get to Breaking Bad after I finish Ozark. I'm halfway through season one of Ozark. Uh, so I tapped out of Ozark at episode six of season one. So you're. So I, I think I'm. That's my next episode. I just I couldn't think. get. I couldn't get into it. I just couldn't. I, I don't know. I, I need to revisit it because I hear good things and I guess something huge happened at the end of the third season and it's coming yeah. back for a final for fourth four. season with fourteen episodes. Season. Yeah. Yeah. Which I wonder if they're gonna split that into two seven episode seasons. Probably. So most likely. Okay. But I mean it's Netflix, so they tend to not do that. Um 
But if they are smart, they will. Anyway, uh, cool. All right. Any any last words? All I can say is I just 100% agree with you. I think Star Wars is finally, finally on that track where it should have been all along. And that, you know, stepping away from the movies is the right thing to do for now. And just focus on the small screen. Yep. Focus on, you know, the cartoons, the animated series. You know, and again, have that rededication to hopefully bring people into the, you know, the written world of yeah. Star Wars as well, whether it be the books, the novels. I mean, we didn't even talk about the High Republic stuff, which I think is is equal parts interesting and brilliant um, to go a thousand years in the future and show a Yoda that might actually care about things um, and not be the detriment to the Jedi due to complacency and arrogance. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, that's a, that's for another time. I mean, we could do a whole, I could talk for an entire four hours about why Yoda is the, the biggest villain in star Wars. <laughs> he makes the, he, he like, honestly, he kind of makes the emperor look like an amateur. So I, I I wouldn't. Well, I mean, he is eight hundred years old. So nine hundred. I was about to say. I, oh no! Nine. I was about to say Over I wouldn't nine. go that. Yeah, I was about to say I wouldn't go that far, and then I thought about how old he was. Yeah. Yeah. Look so, as look as good yeah. as you will when you are nine hundred. You will not. But yeah, I I I am cautiously optimistic, uh, and and again, even though, though I've enjoyed the last few years, there's been severe problems. Yep. I think that there. I think that um, look at the last five years of Star Wars as kind of like that first draft, and what we're getting the next five years is going to be that more polished product. And I I really think that's the direction we're coming. And definitely the volume. Um, If you guys go watch the technology episode of the Mandalorian Gallery, um, their shoot their soundstage is called the Volume, and I feel like what they can do with the technology that John Favreau and Dave Filoni and George Lucas have come together with. Um, I think is what has me most excited for, for how Star Wars is going to look and feel. Um, my favorite part yeah. of that episode was when, when John was like, well, I want to do this. And like, yeah, George already has that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and again, I cannot recommend enough the book droid maker. If you're interested in any of the filmmaking stuff with ILM Pixar and Lucasfilm, um, it is, it is a very heavy read, but it is the history of, those three organizations and it is fantastic fantastic faint fantastic member 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 wedge <laughs> member chewbacca remember chewbacca again anyway uh yeah so before the member berries come in and take over uh thank you guys for listening we'll be back next week and we'll see you later see ya The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati, with new episodes out every Sunday. You can find more information about the show online at infamouspodcast.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as at Infamous Podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcasting app. 
If you're enjoying the show, consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast, or check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash infamous podcast for our new tiers and rewards. The Infamous Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Brian Tudor, with music provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. You can find me on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as at Brian Tudor. So whenever you're listening to the show, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is. And we'll see you next time. Later.